going to continue in our series. This is the third of our seven-part series of seven signs in the book of John, the Gospel of John. The theme verses for this are John 20, chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Our specific text today, John chapter 5, verse number 1 through verse 16, says this, After these things there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called, in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring of the waters stepped in, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in this condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool where the water is stirred up, or when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. So the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, It is the Sabbath and it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. But he answered him, He who made me well was the one who said to me, pick up your pallet and walk. But the man who was healed, or they asked him, who is the man who said to you, pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. I want to preach to you for just a little while today. Taking Jesus out of our box taking Jesus out of our box. There is a well-known escape artist named Houdini. Many of you, if not all of you, would have heard of Houdini. He he was quite the escape artist and, and quite the showman. And he would have people put him in various uh imprisonments if you could say it that way it could be a box filled with water and he would be bound not only would he be in the box filled with water but he would have them chain him up and he he would 
escape from the chains in that length of time. He would have to hold his breath for two to three minutes, and he would unloose the chains, and then he would open the box, and there are various things that he would do. And he became rather famous for those tricks or those means of escape. And, and most of the time, he would have a key to the padlock, and he would sneak it in with him and they would lock it up but his hands could be behind his back and he would somehow get the key from its hiding place and he would finagle the lock and open the box which oftentimes the box was also padlocked and had various things on it and he was an escape artist who would voluntarily get inside of a box I'm not really uh, super claustrophobic but I'm not letting anybody put me in a box and especially not bind me up and and not close the lock on the box and and keep me there and and hope that I can get out. That's just not something that I'm planning on doing. And he would do it voluntarily. Now, while that is a, a cool story and various things that he would do to escape and various ways that he would show off his abilities, I would say that many times that people put God in a box. They, they put him in a, a box, not a physical box, not a, a box that could really keep him in, but they box him in by limiting what they believe that he can do or limiting what they believe that he will do. That they decide that God doesn't do miracles or he doesn't do the supernatural or he doesn't do it at this time or that time. He only does it a certain way in a certain time. Now understand, God cannot be put in a box. He is everywhere. But He has chosen that He only, or most of the time at least, He operates when we believe. We've already seen that in this series. He, last week, He couldn't do many miracles, or He didn't do many miracles in Nazareth because they did not believe. It's not that He couldn't. It's not that He could not overcome their doubt. It's not that He could not overcome what they were leery of him doing but he chooses to operate when we have faith so we put him in a box when we create our own limits for god when we we create our own way in which god works i've actually i've told you this before when i was in seminary i had a professor who said this he says to the extent that you limit god or to the extent that you say something that God can't do that He does do, or He doesn't do something that you think He does, or you, you have a, your own idea, your own viewpoint about God, and you say things like, well, my God wouldn't do this, but if your God does that. What He said is this, is that you have created God, and you have made Him an idol. And instead of us being created in His image, we have created Him in our image. So when we put God in a box and we put limitations on Him on what He can do and what He can't do, ultimately we are making God in our image and we are making Him out to be an idol. So I've come to preach to you today that we need to take Jesus out of our box. He doesn't have a box, but we have one that we can put Him in if we're not careful. The context of our passage today is this the third miracle that is recorded by John in his gospel. and Jesus is back in Judea. He's been in Galilee the, the last two miracles. Now he is in Judea. And he has 
in there for a feast. And then our text takes place as he is in Jerusalem for the feast. The first thing that I want you to see is this, is that miracles happen when and where people believe. And then actually, I don't want you to look at that at all. Now, I updated this in our system, and it didn't update, so you can just go back to the, the heading there, and I'll just tell you what the, what the points is. I'm reading the slide instead of my notes, and those are points from last week. Anybody remember that? Miracles happen when and where people believe? As I said it, I was like, that is not what I'm talking about today. It seems like every, every week we have this, uh, we've got some kind of technical difficulty. That's one for today. My Bible program, I'll just tell you, my Bible program, which I normally preach out of my Bible program, put my notes in there, it decided it didn't want to work today on my iPad, and so preaching off of a PDF, but Daniel, you just get to stay right there the rest of the time unless you go to the Scriptures. So the first thing I want you to know is not what you just saw on the screen, but it is this, it's that we must remove the limit of where God will perform the miraculous. We see this in the first three verses of our text. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem He goes to the sheep gate, or by the sheep gate, to the pool of Bethesda. And in that place, there was a multitude of people who were sick. They were blind, they are lame, and they are waiting, the Bible says, for the moving of the water. The pool of Bethesda, it's it's not a church service, it's not the temple. It's by the sheep gate, this is one of the, the gates of the the entrance to Jerusalem, and it is the sheep gate where sheep would go through. But there at that gate, there is a nice pool of water called the Pool of Bethesda. And there, there are five porticos. It's a good-looking place. There are colonnades, and some versions would call it. It's a nice, and if you've seen this, the Roman architecture, you've seen these, these nice columns and these porticos that they would build, and Herod has built this there in Jerusalem. But there, it's all a bunch of sick people, all a bunch of people in need of healing. They are, they, as, the Bible, as the text said, they're blind, they're sick, they're lame. But they have gathered there because they think and believe that a miracle can take place there. Not church, not the temple, but that miracles can take place in that location. I run into people all the time who they may limit God because they say that He can't do miracles. But if He does do miracles, if He is going to do it, it's going to be in a certain kind of environment. It's going to be a certain kind of place. It is true that I've seen miracles most of the time in my life. I've seen them in a church service like this, or a church service where people are worshiping and praising God. But I would tell you that God is not limited to doing miracles in a building that we call a church. and He's not limited to doing miracles in a place where we gather together corporately, but He can do miracles everywhere. Which is why I pray for people now in restaurants or at chamber meetings or 
in the store because I believe God can do miracles everywhere. And I would tell you that if you don't believe He can do them everywhere, you need to let Him out of the box because He can do miracles wherever you are. The Bible says, These signs shall follow them that believe in My name. So they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. If they drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. What is that talking about? It said, Miracles happen wherever we are. That if you are a believer filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, wherever you are, miracles can take place because Jesus is there. Anybody believe that today? That there is no limit to where He can do miracles. We need to remove that limit from Him. Second thing is we must remove the limit of how God will perform the miraculous. The people at the pool of Bethesda, they are waiting, the Bible says, for an angel to come and trouble the waters. Verse 4, for an angel of the Lord went down at a certain season into the pool and stirred up the water, and whoever then first, after the stirring of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever distress with which he was afflicted, or disease. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he asked him the question, do you wish to get well? Jesus, if I could pause here, he would ask that question. He didn't take anything for granted, and he wouldn't, even though he knew what was in the hearts of people and he knew what they needed, he would ask questions like this. To a man who is blind, he's like, what do you need? Jesus knows he's blind. Everybody else around, you don't even have to be God to know he's blind. Everybody knew he was blind and Jesus said to him, what is it that you would like me to do? The man would say, I want to receive my sight. That Jesus wants him to articulate it or to speak it out. And here, he asks the man, do you want to get well? The sick man answered, sir, I, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm on my way, somebody else gets in it for me. And Jesus doesn't even acknowledge that tradition which we'll talk about, he just says, get up. Pick up your pallet and walk. And immediately the man became well and he picked up his pallet and walked. I've seen this numerous times in my life. In fact, I've actually done it anticipating how Jesus will perform the miraculous having an idea in my mind of what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. And because of that, limiting God if he wants to do it another way. Anybody ever done that? You've had a situation and you'd be like, all right, now Lord, this is what you need to do. If you would just do this and then you would do this and you do that, man, everything would be good. Anybody ever done that besides me? You kind of lay it out and say, God, in case you didn't know, let me explain to you how you need to operate. 
But when we do that, we limit how God can do the miraculous. We, we limit what he's going to do. He's like, if, if you want me to do it that way, I guess you're out of luck. Because that's not the way I'm going to do it. That he has in mind his own ways of working and we need to let him loose and let him out of the box and let him do miracles in our lives like he wants to do them. This man is expecting to get healed when he gets into the water. We'll talk about that tradition in my final point today. But he has come to the pool of Bethesda and he has been sick for 38 years and he says, this is the only way that I can get healed. But Jesus has another thing in mind. Jesus doesn't need the water and he doesn't need to put the man in the water. Jesus doesn't offer when the guy says, I have nobody to put me in. Jesus doesn't say, well, I'll just camp out right here. And when the water gets troubled, I'll help you get in and beat everybody else. He doesn't say that. He just says to him, get up. He just speaks the word. We talked about that last week when Jesus just speaks the word. He just says, get up. Take up your pallet and go. And immediately the man is healed and he does what Jesus says. The Old Testament tells us the story of Naaman He has leprosy, and he comes to the prophet. A slave girl of Israel tells him, oh, there's a prophet in Israel that can can call upon God, and God can heal you. Naaman doesn't have any other options. He doesn't have any other hope. So he goes to the prophet in Israel, and he says to him, I've got leprosy and I hear that you can take care of this, that you and your God can take care of this. And the prophet looks at him and says, go out into the Jordan and dip seven times. Go out into the middle of the river and and duck under the water seven times and you'll be healed. And Naaman is upset about this. He wants something special. He wants something different. He's like, he doesn't want to get into the muddy Jordan River. He said, we've got better rivers where I'm from. Why did I come here for this river? But he does it. He dips in the water seven times, and the Bible says his leprosy disappears. It's not how he was anticipating it, but it's how God chose to work. And if Naaman had said, I'll do five times or six times, or forget that, just have somebody pour a bucket of water on me, he would have walked away and died a leper. What I would tell you today And my admonition to you is this. When you need a miracle, say, God, however you want to do it, I'm open for it. God, whatever you do is going to be better than whatever I can come up with. Because whatever you do, you know the end from the beginning and you know all things. So, Lord, I'll just let you do the miracle like you want to. If I could pause here. I, I... Maybe I'm the only one. But I want to see God do the miraculous. Our church, we have 40 
eight forty nine hundred sister churches in North America. We have another thirty five thousand churches around the globe. We have missionaries in some two hundred and twelve or two hundred and seventeen nations and territories. And we hear stories all the time of God doing miracles. Many of them on foreign soil. And there's a whole reason for that. But He does miracles here in the U.S. And I don't want to just hear on the grapevine and read the reports and say, God did this miracle here or God did this miracle there. But I want to see God perform the miraculous. And my prayer has been for the last few months, Lord, let me walk in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Believing that He can do miracles anywhere. That He can do miracles at any time. That He can do miracles in any manner. And I don't have to try to figure it out. And I don't have to orchestrate it. And I don't have to say, God, can you do it this way? To say, God, this is what we need. Would you let your spirit move? And would you do the supernatural in our lives? Am I alone in that today? Am I alone in wanting to see God do miracles and signs and wonders? The third thing is we must remove the limit for whom God will perform the miraculous. This man has been sick for 38 years. He is It's not a new sickness. What's interesting about this to me is this. It's that Jesus shows up at the pool of Bethesda. There is a multitude of people that are there that are sick. Jesus walks among them. And he talks to one man. There are all kinds of stories in the, the Bible and in the New Testament about Jesus, where He is, where He heals them all, that whatever, wherever He was at, He heals everybody present. We see that over and over. But in this case, with all of the people who are there who are sick and in need of a miracle, Jesus finds one man. And what is maybe most astounding about this one man is he has no idea who Jesus is. No idea. Just like a stranger walks up and starts talking. You don't know who they are. You've never seen them. They're a stranger. Jesus walks up and he says, do you want to be healed? Yeah. Get up. After he's carrying his pallet off and he's got his pallet 
probably rolled up under his arm. He's carrying this burden. and he, You're not supposed to be doing that. And we'll talk about that Sabbath thing here in a minute. He's like, well, the person who healed me told me to do it. Well, who was it? I don't know. He doesn't even know Jesus' name. But I would tell you, there are a lot of things that we could draw from that. But you don't have to be a preacher to get a miracle. You don't have to have been in church for 20 years to, to get a miracle. You don't have to be have a certain level of Bible knowledge to get a miracle. You don't even have to have a relationship with Jesus to get a miracle. All you have to do is allow Jesus when He shows up to speak into your life and get what you need from Him. And we've talked about this. Why, why does Jesus do that for people who don't know Him? It's so that they will know Him. So that they will come to Him. So that they will have a relationship with Him. I've been around church all my life. My grandfather was a preacher. My dad was a preacher. I'm a preacher. But that doesn't mean I get an inside road on a, on a miracle. That doesn't mean that God's going to do something for me He won't do for you. He is no respecter of person. So whatever you need, God can do it for you. Whatever you need, God will do it for you if you call upon Him and if you ask Or if he just knows that by doing it, you're going to come into a relationship with him. Fourthly, as I hurry, we must remove the limit of when God will perform the miraculous. The man went away, told the Jews it was Jesus who had made him well. And for this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Once again, understand that Jesus does what He wants when He wants as long as we don't box Him in. For us, we celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday. Which means that it's the opposite of what you see by these New Testament Jews. For them, they're celebrating the Sabbath on Saturday, which was the original Sabbath. I get all of that. But they saw miracles as work. It's creative. It's doing something. They're like, you can't do that. For us, however, it is not the same. And that what we would say is, not only should miracles happen on our Sabbath, but it may be the only time. Which means when we show up for church on a Sunday, that's when God does miracles. Not only is it this place, but it's a certain time, it's on Sunday. I, once again, I've been raised in this all of my life. I've been raised around this, but I didn't see many miracles on Wednesday. Almost my entire life, I've been to church every Wednesday night. We do Thursdays here for a variety of reasons, but I've been to church on Wednesday night, and I didn't see many miracles on Wednesday. 
Is it because God doesn't do miracles on Wednesday? Is it because God is resting up for Sunday? Man, I got to get ready for Sunday. They're going to need some miracles on Sunday. No, it's not because God has any limitations. It's because people were like, eh, he doesn't show up on Wednesday. They would come with lack of anticipation that God would do anything on a Wednesday. That's just not when God does it. But on Sunday, man, we have church and we're going to get excited and there's going to be more people here and God's going to show up and miracles can happen on Sunday. But I want you to understand and I want you to live and walk in this truth that God can do miracles anytime. It's not between 10.30 and 12 on a Sunday It doesn't even have to be on a Sunday, but it could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It could be at 3 in the morning. Whenever you need a miracle, He is there. And whenever you need a miracle, He is there to show up and to do what you need if we believe and if we get Him out of our box. I prayed for somebody two or three Thursday nights ago, and if you've been around... You may know some of what that's about. Just a simple prayer in the hallway after, after our small group on Thursday and God worked and I didn't feel anything great, but God moved and God worked. It's a Thursday, but God still does miracles on Thursday. Anybody need a miracle? Or anybody just want a miracle? I I could probably survive if he doesn't heal this or if he doesn't provide that, but I'd sure like him to show up and do something great. Anybody got anything you want God to do in your life that you can't do for yourself? There were a few hands that were lifted. I would tell you it doesn't have to be today, but it can be today because there is no limit to when he will do it and there's no limit to for whom he will do it and there is no limit to where he will do it. God is a miracle worker. And fifthly, Remove the limits of tradition and trust God for the miraculous. And I I just throw this in because there are two traditions that we see in this text. One is the tradition of the Sabbath that God doesn't or should not. In fact, they would say God should not be doing miracles. That's what they said to Jesus. If Jesus is God, right, and he's doing miracles, well, you're wrong. Because that's work, and we don't do work on the Sabbath day. And I've addressed that a little bit. There is also the tradition of the angel troubling the water. I haven't studied the background of this tradition, but it is seemingly true at minimum it is their belief but I would tell you that it wouldn't be their belief if there wasn't something to it the man has been there for he's been sick for 38 years and at the pool of Bethesda he's been there for a long time and he says when the water gets troubled Somebody gets in before me. That means they've really seen the water get troubled. 
And that means they've really seen people get healed by getting in the water. Otherwise, why would you stay there? He says, I've seen them get in. They beat me to the water. And if they didn't get healed, nobody's hanging out there. Why does God choose to do it this way? Why does God work in this manner? I have no idea why he does that. No idea as to how and why he would do this. But he does. If we're not careful, though, we can put what God has typically done. Or we can do things like, well, I've seen God heal this way. We can create our own tradition. I told you before, I typically I've seen God do miracles on Sunday. Why is that? Because people believe He can do them on Sunday. Not that he can't do them at other times. They just didn't believe he'd show up on Wednesday. Monday night prayer. Can God do miracles? Oh, yeah. We don't really expect him to, though. Can he do it at work? Well, he's God. He can do everything. Do you ever ask him for a miracle at work? No. Can God do a miracle at your school? Well, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. Do you ever ask him to do it at your school? No. Why? Because there's a box that we put him in. There's a box of limitation that we put him in when we say he can, he's going to do it here, or he's going to do it there, or he's going to do it this way. As the musicians come... Understand that we need to let him out of the box. I've seen people who had traditions that God would only heal certain diseases or certain things. He only heals certain ways. And Understand, I'm not, what I'm getting ready to say, I'm not against doctors at all. I was at a doctor on Tuesday. God can use doctors, but He doesn't need doctors. He doesn't need somebody that has MD after their name to help you. He may do it. He may work through them. He may be involved in the process. But he can also just speak the word. He can also just touch us. He can also just say, pick up your bed. Pick your pallet up. It's instantaneous. Sometimes he will. It is a process. I've seen God do this from the moment we pray for something. It just gradually and continually get better. But I've seen God in that moment just bring healing to broken arms. To damaged hearts. 
tumors disappearing before your eyes. Not over five weeks and it'll, it'll just gradually shrink. No, but just watch it just go away. My challenge, don't build your own tradition. Don't craft your own box. Don't say, Lord, I believe, but I've got a little nuance to that belief. Or when Jesus came down off the Mount of Transfiguration, this is not in my notes, when he came down off the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter and James and John, they had seen him transfigured on there, and they had seen Moses and Elijah. While Jesus is up on the mountain, his disciples are trying to heal or cast out demons out of a young man who had had demons since he was but a child. Jesus looks at the dad and he asks him the question, how long has he been like this? He said he's been, since he was a child, he's had these demons. And Jesus says, if you believe, anything is possible. And the man looked at him, Lord, I believe. Then he followed that with a statement that's true of most of us. I believe, Lord, but would help my unbelief. I can believe in certain situations. I can believe at certain times. I can believe for a certain amount of you, your power to work, but, but when it doesn't happen right away or it doesn't happen like I want, it doesn't happen exactly like I think it should, Lord, help my unbelief. Father, I pray today that you would help us to believe you. Help us to put our faith, our hope, our trust in you and you alone. To believe that you can do miracles in our lives. That you can do miracles in our family that you can do miracles for those around us. Lord, that you can even do miracles through us. That we could be the catalyst or we could be the conduit for other people to be healed and for other people to be delivered and for other people to have a miracle in their life that you would use us to do it. God, I pray that you would increase our faith that we can believe you, that we would tear open the box that we put you in. We would let you loose in our lives. 